0: hello welcome to mma fight club i'm your host manny g today we're talking about ufc vegas 86 coming up this saturday in las vegas of course that's why it's ufc vegas 86 right we've got 14 fights in the card no titles but the main event jack hermanson versus joe Piper, promises to be a full-on banger of course five rounds of action Joe Pfeiffer is the favorite going in, but you know, Jack Hermanson should never be counted out or overlooked. We're going to each fight with you guys one fight at a time. Start with the premium card, work our way up through the main card, give you some betting tips, give you our picks to win. Before we get into UFC Vegas 86, we do have to go over the slaughter that was UFC Vegas 85 last weekend. We did not do so well in our picks. Yeah, did not do well, but we have to own it. And so let's take a look back here, real quickly, to last weekend, which was the Delita main event against um, Imavov, correct? Right? Delita versus Imavov. And so let me go over the results, real quickly, for you, and then I'll give you what, uh, you know, how we did along the way, right? So let's start with the main card. Imavov wins the fight by decision. And that's exactly how we saw him winning that fight. Uh, we thought the fight would go longer just based upon the way those guys fight and ultimately nailed that one. So it was nice to have that pick correct. If you bet Imavov off by decision, he was plus 310 and we actually did have that on our tip sheet. The fight starting round number two was our prop lock at minus 550 odds. Super juicy, I know, but it was a prop to consider for a parlay piece and that actually did hit. Fight went over over 1.5 with the distance. Matter of fact, let me show you if you're here on YouTube to what I'm looking at here. I am looking at our data sheet for that event. This data sheet that I'm looking at with you is available entirely for free. It is online. It's on our Google Drive. And the link for that data sheet is available via our newsletter. You don't have to be a paid subscriber. Even free subscribers get access to that. And so if you go each week to our Google Drive, you will see in there, there is a data sheet for whatever events we're covering. In this case, um, this sheet here is for last weekend by the way in our google drive as well we have a archive of all of the past data sheets as well and i mean you might find them useful from a film library standpoint because there are film links here as you can see on the right hand side uh, of the of the of the data sheet there those green links there those are links to prior fights so it could save you some time if you're doing some research on a fighter that we've recently covered right okay anyway main event nailed that one renato moicano him winning the fight by decision uh completely did not see that happening and as you can see in the data sheet here our props were just way off we did have renato moikano winning we weren't super confident he would win but the thing we thought for sure was we would see violence we did not so all of our props are just way off there i thought either moikano would submit him round one or two or drew dober would knock him out round one or round two there was some violence there were some moments Moicano got hurt but he played the smart game, wrestled his way into a decision. Randy Brown knocking out Muslim Salakoff in round number one, did not see that happening either. Um, and so this fight to me, I had I had it listed as going longer. If the fight went to round two, that was minus four fifty on the on the on the odds. And so yeah, this fight ending in round one was not something that I saw happening. I thought Randy could possibly clip him at some point, maybe later. Uh for Salakoff, the writing's all over the wall. It's it's kind of getting to that point with him natalia silva wins over viviana raju i will say at some point viviana raju looked better than i expected like she did a few things early on and then as the fight went longer it turned into exactly what everyone thought it was going to be which was going to be uh, Natalia Silva dancing around and being too quick and just being too agile and Arajo at 37 just not being able to close distance so pretty comfortable win there for Natalia Silva everyone had her pick to win we we did as well we had her by decision which was minus 130 if you took that spot the Alice Cobb Kizrev fight versus Mahmoud Muradov Never really got off the ground. An early eye poke in round number one. The fight gets called off. Hopefully, they bring it back in, in a few weeks under the upcoming card. The first fight in the main card, Gilbert Urbina versus Charles Radke. Oh, man, the curse of the Urbina guys or the Urbina family in the UFC continues. I really liked Urbina in this spot. I was, I guess, underestimating Charles Radke, who, by the way, had a very interesting post-fight press conference clip that's gone viral where he's basically telling a reporter like it's about the money i do these interviews for free you know i'm trying to get paid and then basically there's no more questions from the reporters and and he gets told that and he's like good i'm out of here so (laughs) i don't know if he's trying to do the bad boy nate diaz thing if he is okay I, i get it um i'm not sure if he really thinks he should get compensated for doing post fight interviews I'm going to just change gears and say, imagine like if, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes goes to a press conference after an NFL game and says, I ain't answering no questions unless I get paid up in here. Even though he doesn't sound anything like that voice, but you get the point of what I'm saying. So, yeah, Charles Racky, you got viral. If you didn't do anything, you wouldn't be being talked about. So he, I guess he got that part right. But yeah, kind of a weird stick. He wins the fight, round number one, knocks out Arbina. Didn't see it coming, Charles Raki. We doubted you, we were wrong, and that pick right there definitely screwed up a few of our bet tips, a bet cheat tips as well. Now this fight, the last fight on the prelim card, Molly McCann. Of all the ways that she ends up winning, by submission. <laughs> it's great when you see this happen, and by armbar specifically. Right now, we had Molly McCann to win. We had her to win by decision. They fought before It went to decision. I thought Bell i mean, Bita was getting a lot of love this this past you know week or so from people that thought she was a good dog, and, and we felt the same way. She maybe could win. We still picked uh, again. We still picked Molly McCann to win, but nonetheless, uh, Bita comes up short here. Round one submission win for Molly McCann. Good for her. Azat Moxon versus Charles Johnson. I could strip this apart for hours. Not going to do that. Other than to say the fact that I doubted Charles Johnson and he got it done now we can sit here and debate the actual decision scorecards i thought the fight was really close but i really thought Ozot had round one and two round three definitely charles wins that third round and matter of fact if it went a little bit longer charles had him kind of in a bad spot on the ground so i i do give charles johnson the third round first round definitely Ozot you know cracks him so he gets the win I was so high on Ozat Maxim, who I thought was going to move to 18 and 0. He gets slightly derailed, a little exposed. There are some chinks in the armor, and you saw that because I don't rate Charles Johnson very high, but he did do the right things to eventually come out on top. Good for him. Got to give him credit. Thought it was closer, though, than the 29-28 across the board. And I thought even Ozat Maxim. Should have won the fight Ugh. i guess that's me from a betting standpoint and i also like the kid so much the last two weeks i was talking about how he can get you get him at like minus 175 180 when it first broke out he ended up closing minus 230. it made sense to me i thought the guy was gonna get it done but he did not left it wide open went to judge score card he paid themba Garimbo versus pete rodriguez themba round one knockout you know he's a submission guy so that was a little surprising he gets it done, post fight, you know, interview. I want a title this year, whatever. We'll see what happens, but uh, he catches a lot of parlays. He was one of the biggest favorites on the card. G Young Lee versus Blake Builder. You know, Lee kind of toiled with Builder. It, it, it's decision on paper, but it wasn't even close. And I made the mistake of picking Builder to win. You know, so I was off on that. Matter of fact, the prelim card in general, I did not do great. But G. Uh, Young Lee wins the fight by decision. Luana Carolina versus Julia Sto- Julia. I keep going to call her Julia because the way her name is spelled, but Julia Stoyarenko, the submission master, 12 submissions on our record, up against Luana Carolina. And we like Luana Carolina. We talked about it in our video breakdown. We were very specific about the ways she possibly could expose Stoyarenko, how is not very good at striking, how she does get tired. Ultimately, it ends like the last what? 450, 455 of round number three. I really wanted a good decision because I had Luana to win by decision, and that was plus one ninety-five. Thought it was a really good spot. So we're like five to six seconds away from cashing that prop. Nonetheless, she wins outright at plus one twenty-four in the line. If you had her great. If you bet Julia Stoyarenko, the round one submission prop to me was the spot to go. And that was plus four like eighty range. And if you actually watch the fight end of round number one. Stoyarenko does attempt. She goes for an arm bar, and it's like, oh, you know, another maybe 30 seconds, maybe she pulls it off. So yeah, Stoyarenko goes ahead here and drops the drops the bag, fumbles the ball, everyone to put it, and Carolina picks up the win. Landon Quinones, we had him to beat Markel Medeiros. And Quinones was a slight dog. He wasn't a big underdog. A fight that we were to be honest with you, it was kind of a toss-up, right? I wasn't really sure about either guy. But Markel Medeiros gets it done by decision. It was a close fight. There were some murmurs from people who thought maybe Landon won. Maybe could have been a split. I don't know. But it, it, it was like neither guy did to me enough to for sure win the fight. Um, I, I, me picking Landon Quinonez, I was jaded. I wanted him to win. And I thought he may have done enough there. But ultimately, um, Markel Madero ends up coming away with the win. All right. First fight in the car, Jamal Pogues, Thomas Peterson. We did pick Jamal Pogues. We, we picked him to win by a round two knockout. So we didn't have the exact right method. But we had the right side in terms of who would win. Peterson, man, he's just so vanilla. And you can see that in the fight. He doesn't do a lot. Becomes very low volume. The wrestling, it's nice when he gets on top. He did that round number one, by the way. Round one was very close. It could have gone either way, kind of. But the last 30 seconds, 40 seconds, the optics were not good for Pogues. To get Thomas Peterson was on top of him. They both came out round two looking kind of tired, but Jamal Pogues ultimately just starts piecing him up over the last two to three rounds. And when I say piecing him up, you had some blood coming down from the nose and the mouth of Peterson. Not a ton of blood. He wasn't like all cut up. Had some, you know, blushing, some red on his cheeks. Ultimately, you could see he was wearing a damage. as Jamal Pogues wasn't. And Pogues wins by decision. So that's your recap there for UFC Vegas 80 five from a pick standpoint we finished off eight and four that prelim card really got us we went went one two three four four and three in the premium card and then we ended up going one two three four four one and one i guess in that main card because the alice care uh fight so what really hurt us from a betting perspective was that moicano fight with drew dober that going the full distance did not see that coming and then azat moxham those two spots we had them tied in a few parlays that were so close to hitting ultimately didn't happen from from a tip sheet standpoint or our official bets that we we gave out to the public there we finished like negative 0.5 or something very negligible so kind of just ran in place didn't make any traction but again that's your recap for ufc vegas 85 let's jump into this weekend's card ufc vegas 86. all right first fight on the card for ufc vegas 86 a weight clash at 135 pounds between Arichi Lang, the Mongolian murderer, and Daniel Marcos, who goes by Soncaro, which I'm not really sure what that means. He's of Spanish descent uh, from Peru, so it sounds almost like I was going to say a like a cartel, right? Like Soncaro. But anyway, I'm not really sure what it means. This guy's undefeated though. Marcos, fifteen and zero, impressive start to his career. Obviously on a winning streak in the UFC, has won a few fights. He's from Lima, Peru. He's the favorite in this fight, 30 years old, 11 months, 5'7 in height with a 69-inch reach. So height and reach-wise, these guys are pretty much identical. As for the Mongolian murder, 25 and 11 overall, 3 and 2 in his last 5. Hails from Inner Mongolia, a.k.a. China, 30 years old, and again, about similar height. Now, experience-wise, 25 and 11 for Richie Lang, most of that happening over there in the Far East. But a lot of fights i mean that's 35 36 fights right compared to 15 so more than double the amount of fights as daniel marcos and i do believe that's a factor as to how this fight plays out all right as for some notes in these two guys and let me show you my, my excel sheet here this excel sheet again is available on our google drive free to access uh the link to our google drive i believe is down below here on youtube in our description but it's also in our newsletter the newsletter for UFC Vegas 86 comes out on Tuesday morning this week. So this is being recorded Tuesday morning as well. Matter of fact, the newsletter just went out about 10 minutes ago. So um, if you subscribe to our newsletter, which you should be subscribed to our newsletter, which is free to do, you will get the full written preview and breakdown, basically a written format of what I'm talking about. And if you have Substack, the app on your phone, a very cool feature is you'll get the newsletter to your phone, right? So it goes to your email too, but it goes to your phone when you open each of our whatever, latest write-ups or previews for a fight event, there's a feature where you can hit play and it dictates it to you. A nice, simple, calm female voice, she reads the entire newsletter to you for that article. And so if you're on the go, you're you're driving, whatever, you don't have time to sit there and read, maybe you're laying down to go to bed at nighttime, you can hit the play button and it'll dictate for you the entire uh, newsletter. So that's a cool feature for Substack. And Substack is the platform that we produce our newsletter through. Anyway, back to this fight here. So on our Excel sheet, some props are right here listed, and most prop prices are not out yet. For the ones we could find, uh, we put them there, listed them for you. In terms of their side-by-side comparisons, experience-wise, edge to Richie Lang. They're both fairly smart fighters. Cardio checks out. Finishing ability is the one area where both guys could be better. Striking is decent on both sides, very similar to striking numbers, and then grappling yeah, they're 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 okay grapplers. It's not really where they get the most of their work done. Most of their stuff is done on the feet, but nonetheless, they're they're not terrible on the ground. They are uh, at least able to defend themselves a bit. Thirty years old for Richie Lang, thirty-one for Marcos. Very similar. The line here currently has Marcos at minus two hundred fifty odds, plus two hundred five for Richie Lang. When the line came out at first, it was a little bit more like minus two hundred five, I believe, for Marcos. So money's coming in on Marcos. That's got to be because of the undefeated record. And I get it. He looks the part. He's done some good things. But he hasn't fought a lot of guys yet. For Marcos, coming to this fight with a lot of momentum, he's 2-0 in the UFC, obviously undefeated. He earned his UFC contract on the 2022 Contender Series. So not this past year, the year before. A balanced skill set, but like we said before, does his best work at striking range. He's been a decision in four of his last eight matches. Now, let's say eight fights. It's a good sample size some of those being in the regional scene but the most of the recent fights are going to decision as he goes up in competition as he moves up moves up a level preferable proverbially you're gonna see i think that that finish rate even go down more just because it's natural you're fighting better competition so here's a guy who again his method of victory volume striking landing a few good shots doing some facial damage, and then, of course, getting himself on the scorecards the advantage. For Richie Lang, a respected veteran that's been with the UFC since 2021, so it's about three, four years now, he has more than 43 fights on his resume. So here we go. We mentioned before, 36 or so, but look at his actual resume. The guys probably fought almost 50 fights in total when you can put it all together. And some of that fighting he did out in the East, it's probably not even reflected on his record, some kind of backyard stuff, right? From a stat standpoint, a Richie Lang, he lands more punches and earns more takedowns. It's not that those stats mean everything and you don't want to become like stat driven only. You have to watch these fighters and, and see how they how they do and see where they're at in their career and a lot of different measurables, but it does play a factor here with a guy like Marcos who doesn't have a high finish rate, and I don't believe he's going to sting a Richie Lang here. He might land a few good hard shots. A Richie Lang tends to cut a little bit, so you might even see some damage on a Richie Lang but if he can't put a Richie Lang away and a Richie getting two takedowns compared to zero for Marcos or Richie Lang's getting, you know, 30 punches landed in a round compared to twenty for Marcos. It's going to eventually add up. I think over three rounds, a Richie Lang who's can steal around with the takedown last minute or so things like that. That's why I give him the edge and then experience again. He's fought so many more times than a guy like Marcos who's still, you know, 15 fights into your pro career. You're very much, I mean, I shouldn't say it's not a lot of experience, but it's just not a ton compared to my man over here, Richie Lang from a betting strategy perspective over 1.5 rounds. Like that spot quite a bit. The fight goes to decision like that and the split props here. I very much could see this being a split decision. Richie Lang has gone to some decisions that have been close and so has Marcos. So, When those split props come out, I'm going to put those into my tip sheet, probably be priced around plus 700 to plus 900 range for Richie Lang or Marcos by split decision. But again, the pick is Richie Lang, the Mongolian murderer by decision. Okay, moving up the card. Next up is a featherweight bout, 145 pounders. We've got Haider Emil, the American versus Fernie Garcia, who's American, but originally from Mexico. And uh, Fernie Garcia is stepping in on about two weeks notice. We'll talk more about that in a second. Haider Emil, the Hurricane, 8-0, undefeated record from San Francisco, California, 33 years old, 5'10", with a 70-inch reach. As for Mr. Garcia, 10-4 overall, 2-3 in his last five. Again, from America, currently from Dallas, Texas, but originally from Mexico, 31 years old, 5'7", with a 67-inch reach out of Fortis MMA. So not much differences, not many differences here on their on their record and their experience and their age, a lot of similarities. Garcia has a few more fights. Obviously, he's got a loss or two, and Haider is undefeated. But otherwise, these guys line up as you know fairly even on the, the basic visuals. The line currently has Hyder at minus 185 and Garcia at plus 154 odds. In terms of their side-by-side comparisons, I'm going to give an experience edge to Fernie Garcia because of the obvious. He has some more fights, right? In terms of fighter IQ, I'll talk more about it in a minute, but Hyder Emil, to me, has a little better fighter IQ, makes better decisions in the octagon than Fernie Garcia. Cardio, both check out. Both guys can go the full distance. Finishing ability, Emil has a higher finish rate. Striking and grappling, also very similar in those categories. Let me check my notes over here. Okay, so our prediction here is Hyder. Emil the hurricane to win by decision. He's legit prospect, impressive winning streak, nice start to his career before even going to the UFC. My man went 6 and 0 in LFA and Bellator. Like 3 fights in Bellator, 3 in LFA, both legit promotions, undefeated there. 5 of his 8 wins are inside the distance and he has obviously the endurance to go the full dis- full distance to win by decision. Now, this fight originally was supposed to be Nuron Bekke stepping in here to fight Hyder Emil. Beke stepped out a few weeks back. Then Melsik Bagdazarian was the new fighter, who's a tough fighter, would have been a really tough assignment for Haider Emil. But Melsik Bagdazarian stepped out about a week ago. So now in steps Fernie Garcia, the third fighter, um, basically the second replacement. And Fernie's got about two weeks notice to prepare for this fight. So not the best situation for Fernie. A little bit of an advantage there for Hyder Emil, who knew he was going to have a fight this weekend. For Garcia, trying to get back in the win column after dropping his last three in a row. Now, like Emil, Garcia is also a Contender series alum. Garcia is 0-3 in the UFC with all three losses by decision. He has the cardio to go the distance, but he lacks finishing ability. He's been a decision in eight of his last nine fights. Again, here's a guy who goes the full distance, and can't finish the fight. He's been in three split decisions in his last nine fights and six split decisions in total. Is that just an anomaly, or is that the way he fights? Again, lack of finishing ability, going to the scorecards too much, but yeah. Three splits in his last nine, that's about 30% 30, 30 rate, and then six split decisions in total in his, what, 14-fight career. The betting spots that make the most sense for me in this fight are the over two and a half rounds, the fight going longer. Both guys have the endurance. The fight going the full distance. And then the split props here. Emil by split and Garcia by split. And then lastly, Emil at minus 185. Yeah, I'm going to probably put him into at least one parlay. Do like a two-leg parlay. You get a lot of bump there at minus 185 odds. And I just think this is his fight to win. As the week goes on, he's minus 185 now on a Tuesday. I imagine by Friday or Saturday, he's minus 225, 250. He's my Osmott. Cos uh, Maxim, maxim whatever this week, who man, that just blew up my face last week with UFC Vegas 85. I was so sure he was gonna beat Charles Johnson, partially because of my doubts about Charles Johnson. And here's kind of my similar angle. I like Hyder Emil, he's undefeated, just like Maxim was last week. And in Fernie Garcia, I had my doubts, but you know, that's a that's a scary way to do betting, right? You don't want to just bet against a guy just because that guy's not good. They're both grown ass men. It's going to be a real fight. They're going to have their gloves on. Anything's possible. But again, for me here, I like Hyder Emil to win the fight by decision. The prop lock for me here, the safest betting individual spot of this entire fight is the fight begins round three. That prop price is not out yet. But like that over one point five, you know, fight begins round three. Those spots to me will be somewhat reasonable as a parlay piece. Won't pay you out individually a very good amount of money, but if you parlay it with something else, it could be something good. Let's move on to the next fight. Okay, light heavyweight bout, 205-pounders. Zach Palga, who goes by the High Chief. All right. Bogdan Guskov, who goes by Zervich. I could be pronouncing that incorrectly. It's like C-Z-A-R-E-V-I-T-C-H, Zervich. Anyway, Bogdan Guskov is 14-3. 4-1 his last five. Fighting from out of Russia now, but he's originally from Uzbekistan. 31 years old, 6'3", with a 76-inch reach the High Chief, Zach Palga, 6-2 overall, 3-2 in his last five. Based out of Colorado, trains out of Elevation Fight Team. A lot of good fighters there. I believe you've got Kamar Usman there and Justin Gaethje and uh, the girls are good there too. A lot of good fighters. For Zach Palga, 35 years old, 11 months, 6'2 in height with a 76-inch reach. So these guys are about the same exact height, same exact reach. Age-wise, surprisingly, Zach Palga... Already about to be thirty six, kind of getting long in the tooth. Thirty one year old for Bogdan Guskov, so that age advantage for Guskov a little bit younger, a little more spry. Eh, we'll see if that plays out here. He doesn't tend to go very long in his fights. Okay, the line currently has Zach Palga at minus one thirty. You've got Bogdan at plus one ten. Seems about right. It seems about right. This fight is one of the closer fights on the score on, on the card and a fight that you can start making arguments for, for both sides, right? Let me grab my notes here real quickly, and uh, here's what I have. Prediction is Bogdan in Gusekov to win by a round two knockout. That's our prediction, and in, in a prediction, again, that we're not very confident in. Uh, Zach Palga is the kind of guy where just when you doubt him, he'll show up and prove you wrong. Guzkoff Guse, was submitted in his UFC debut about five months ago. Prior to the UFC, he was on a finishing streak on the regional scene. So regional scene fighter, dominating people, finishing people, first UFC fight gets submitted. (laughs) His record is attractive, but he has been finished twice in his young career. It's too early to tell if this guy's a little bit chinny or fragile, or is it a cardio thing? He doesn't get tired. It might even be a combination of both fatigue and a lack of experience, right? For Palga, he dropped his last fight to Modestus Bukakis by decision. That was over the summer. Not a terrible loss. You know, Modestus Bukalkis is a bit of a veteran. It wasn't his best performance, though, by any means. It was a reminder that Zach Palga at 35, 36, he may have hit the ceiling already. Like, he may have met his full potential, which is awful to think about because that means he's going to be a middling light heavyweight for a little longer, and he's he's going to be, you know, obviously, time's not on his side, right? The only way that we can see Zach Palga winning this fight is if he executes the perfect game plan, stays at distance, right? Okay. Works the jab, works a few kicks in. He lacks striking power, so finishing ability is not really his forte. And his volume can slow down at times just because he's staring and looking too much. A tough fighter to, to get beyond. guys. Listen, save your money here and save your, like, save your sanity. I would not be putting bets on Zach Balga. If I was going to bet on this fight, it's strictly prop only. Like under two and a half rounds, the fight not going the distance. And here's how that plays out either my man over here, Guskov does get to Paga who we've seen get like rocked by a simple jab. I'll never forget Kamaru Usman's brother, Mohammed Usman knocking him out on the ultimate fighter in the, the finale, I believe, whatever. And it was the weirdest. Like, I was like, how did he get knocked out from that? It was like a really simple little jab. And so I got questions about his durability. Bogdan Guskov is a heavy hitter who wants to get rid of him early. But if Bogdan doesn't do that, he'll probably find a way to expose himself and get so tired where Zach Palga should pounce. Third option <laughs> is they both get tired. And Zach Palga's not motivated to put the pedal to the metal. And we just get to that third round. They're just both so tired. We're going to just be dancing for five minutes. And we have another big boy fight, light heavyweights and heavyweights going the full distance. So annoying to me. But anyway, that's my little pet peeve there. That's my little rant for you. Um, Palga can win. Guskov can win. I'm going with Guskov. The prop lock here is the fight does not go the full distance. I'm probably jinxing the fight now. It probably will go the full distance. Um, that prop price is not out. Just is it out yet? Hold on. Let me look up here real quickly. Zach Palga. It is fight no distances minus 325 odds. I did get that price already, and. I guess the market agrees with me, but yeah, I would proceed with caution. This is a fight where you want to have maybe the least amount of betting exposure because of the variance very, very high. Okay, let's move on. Next fight, Jeremiah Wells and Max Griffin, a fight. That's going to determine some things, man. We're going to get some questions answered when this fight's all said and done. Um, And I think more so about Jeremiah Wells, you know, Max Griffin is a guy who's been around a minute or two we kind of know his deal and when it comes to jeremiah wells he's still a little bit unknown to to most mixed martial arts fans the record is like okay finishing ability but when you watch him fight it's entertaining for better or for worse either he's winning or getting exposed or getting hurt or coming back from being hurt either way it's definitely get your popcorn ready it's box office i enjoy it Max Griffin, I wouldn't say his fights are box office, but he presents the perfect, let's say, um, anti-Jeremiah Wells, the antidote to, to make Jeremiah Wells have to work here and possibly even extend Jeremiah Wells. Anyway, welterweight bout, 170-pounders, Jeremiah Wells from the Northeast, from Philadelphia to be specific, 12-3-1 and 1 overall, 4-1 his last five. 37 years old, right? So not a ton of fights for this guy who's about to be 40 the next few years. 5'9 with a 74-inch reach. Out of Renzo Gracie Philly, a gym that's very well known for its grapplers. Max Griffin, who goes by Payne. That's a good nickname, by the way. Max Payne Griffin, like Maximum Payne. 19-10 overall. So gosh, almost four. This will be his 40th fight. 3-2 in his last five. From Sacramento, California, 38 years old. 5'11 with a 76-inch reach out of MMA Gold fight team. So height and reach will be on the side of Max Griffin. Not a big factor. If you've watched um any part of Jeremiah Wells' career. He's always the smaller guy. You know, probably could make even a lighter weight class, to be honest with you, if you really worked at it. But he's always the smaller guy when it comes to Jeremiah Wells. Okay. The line here has Jeremiah Wells at minus 170, Max Griffin at plus 142. I I don't agree with that line. I think it should be exactly flipped the other way. And I'll explain to you why. Um, Okay. So our prediction here is Max Payne Griffin by decision. For Griffin, a veteran okay obviously 40th fight 15 years of pro experience he's been with the ufc for almost a decade the biggest wins of his career though not many of them you gotta go back to like mike perry 2018. he has decision losses though against some good fighters so he's been a decision with colby covington alex morano neil magni michael morales the up-and-coming michael morales so he could take a punch and he's got the cardio He's been to four split decisions in his last 10 fights. And I saw that. and I'm like, damn, Max, aren't you tired of getting any split decisions? Like, it's just your fighting style, your, your lack of urgency. These are true things about his fighting style. He does have lack of urgency. But four splits in his last 10 fights and two splits in his last three fights. I think if you go back further, my man has even a few more splits, even as an as a amateur. Like, he just all about split decisions. I'll tell you what, whenever Max Griffin's fighting, you must look at split decision props, right? That's just kind of a no-brainer. For Wells, he fights like he's allergic to decisions. So he's the opposite of Max Griffin, like full on from first gear to sixth gear right away. He goes for it early in the process, exposes himself to plenty of danger counters. We've seen him get rocked, almost finished, rise back from the dead and come back and win fights. But considering Griffin's durability, Wells is going to have his work cut out for him here. I mean, my man Griffin has like, what, 40 fights? Has he ever been knocked out? I should know this offhand. But let me double check my records here. I thought I would have it in my notes and I don't have it here handy. So Max Griffin, has he ever been knocked out? He was. Colby Covington grounded him out in 2016 on the ground and... So let me correct myself. I said that he went to decision with Colby Covington. Colby finished him 2016 ground and pound in round three. And that was the only time in 39 fights that Max Griffin has been finished. So here's a guy, again, super durable. And I think that experience, the chin durability, Wells is going to have to find another way to win the fight. Now, if Wells can clip him early on and Wells goes for it, I stand to be corrected. Now, Griffin, if Griffin gets out of round number one, I think his cardio, his fighter IQ, he'll start to chip away. He may not knock out Wells, but I think that fighter experience, the cardio, the the consistent jab, I, I hope he's able to turn it on and then win rounds two and three, maybe even after dropping round number one. All right. Um be a tough fight guys tough fight and i don't like going against jeremiah wells because he's from the northeast i'm not too far from the philadelphia area and so i kind of like to root for the hometown guys he's favored here minus 170 griffin's plus 142 i'm gonna go with griffin because again durability and veteran savvy that's my rationale here over 1.5 rounds good betting spot the fight goes to decision yeah taking a risk there but i think it happens Wells by split and Max Griffin by split. You got to play split props when we're talking about Jeremiah Wells. I know I'm split prop happy here to start this breakdown for UFC Vegas 86, but I, I believe, I believe, brother, we're going to see some splits here in these first few fights. All right, again, we're going to go with Max Griffin, Max Payne Griffin to win by decision. Let's move on to the next fight in the card. Still the prelims here. We got Devin Clark versus Marc- Marcin Pratchniow a fight where again i mentioned earlier like the Charles Johnson fight from last week and how we were fading him so hard that we like fell in love with the you know Kazat or maxim maxim guy um and it was a mistake obviously right cuz cuz you know uh, the experience of George, of charles johnson showed up and he got the win so on and so forth Marisin prachnyao is very much in that same lane for us we, we value him so down, like so low on the totem pole in terms of fighters in the UFC. And we have so many doubts about him that we're coming to this fight here a bit jaded. And now I'm going to explain to you the, the situation here. I'll give you the details of why I'm going to go with Devin Clark. But there is a bias here. And I want to make sure I'm putting it out there. There's a bias against Marcin Pratchett now because of sort of his last few performances and watching those fights and sort of seeing his, his durability issues, so on and so forth. So I'm going to put that out there off the bat. I'm on Devin Clark, and I'm feeding Marcin now and I'm a bit jaded here. Okay. White heavyweight fight, 205 pounders. Devin, the brown bear Clark, a guy who we've interviewed before multiple times. Super awesome dude from, like, Dakota, the Midwest. Um, you know, heart of gold. got a family. Just uh, top to bottom. Very nice dude. And the brown bear story is hilarious how he got that nickname. Story for another time, but if you see the interview we did with him, he talks about how he got that, that nickname, and it's, it's quite hilarious. Marcin Prashniel, 16-7 overall, 3-2 in his last five, hails from Poland, now based out of Amsterdam, 35 years old, six foot three in height with a 74-inch reach. As for Brown Bear, 14-8 overall, 2-3 in his last five, based out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, currently, where he's at Next Edge Academy of Martial Arts. That might not be accurate. I want to say he went to Colorado to elevation fight team, maybe even back home for a little bit, but I'm not sure he's in Albuquerque currently. 33 years old, so about the same age as his opponent. Six foot in height with a 75 inch reach. So, height, there'll be a three inch height advantage for Marcine, but a one inch reach advantage for the Brown Bear. Okay. Let me grab my notes over here. The line currently has Devin Clark as a minus 218 favorite. You've got Marcine Pratch now at plus 180. And uh, my prediction is that Devin the Brown Bear Clark is going to knock out Marcin Pratchett in the second round. They're both in the midst of rush patches in their career combined. They are five and nine, in their last 14 fights. So yeah. Both guys are under 500. The last, you know, six or seven fights to make matters worse. Marcin Pratchett, chin. There's some problems there. There's, there's some fragileness. He has been stopped in four of his last eight fights. That's, You know, if you if you lost four of your last eight, okay, fine. But getting knocked out and finishing four of your last eight, no good. Three of those finishes were first round knockouts. (laughs) Okay. If Clark connects with anything substantial in the first round, second round, third round, he tends to slow down and get tired. So that's why I'm worried about third round not being his, you know, best spot to knock out Pratchnell. But round one or two, if Clark connects with anything substantial, I believe Praschnell will be in trouble. Patrion on needs to stay at range to avoid dangerous exchanges he should not stand in trade with my man devin clark at any point in time that's never a good idea for him for clark i mentioned before from the midwest a farm boy legit knockout power a, a shorter stature when you see him you know why legs are like tree trunks built he's about that life not no kind of fat just all good meat farm meat right <laughs> um he could win the fight either by knocking out Prashniel or in the scorecards. A few takedowns, by the way, for Clark, a former high school wrestler, that would go a long way to helping him win in the scorecards. He needs to be mindful, though, of allowing Prashniel to circle him for long periods of time. See, Prashniel knows that he can't take many shots to the chin. He knows that. If you watch his recent fights, he's very much aware of that. Matter of fact, the William Knight fight, which was the fight that got William Knight cut, where William Knight just did nothing for three rounds, like he would just did nothing, and Prashniel was like, very mindful of William Knight's power. Stayed at distance. He didn't do much either. Easily won a fight by decision. And he was just, like I said, very fighting, very cautiously. So I think that he kind of knows the deal. You know what I mean? For Clark, he can't let him do that. It's a smaller cage. That's good for Clark. Clark needs to close distance, push him against the cage, even some dirty boxing. Force Pratchney out of fight. Get an elbow inside. If he lands anything substantial again, I think pratchnell falls to the ground. The betting spots here. Under two and a half rounds. The fight does not go the distance, and the fight ends by knockout, along with Clark as a possible parlay piece, actually. At minus 218, he's in that parlay range. It's his fight to lose. I think Clark is the better fighter, and if you watch a few, again, a recent fight from both guys, you're going to see some things about Marcin Pratchett which I, I believe would have you agreeing with us. We're up to a ladies' fight. Strawweight division, 115 pounders, Bruna Brazil, who goes by the special one, up against Luma Luke Boonme, Luke look boom has been around for a little bit only 11 total fights as a pro but we know the name we've seen her fight before Bruna Brazil a little newer to this scene it's gonna be like her third or fourth UFC fight anyway strongly out again small ladies 115 pounders Loma eight and three overall four and one her last five hails from Thailand 28 years old 511 I'm sorry 511 she's 5'1 and I with a 61 and a half inch reach for Bruna Brazil 9 3 and 1 overall, 4-1 her last five from Brazil. Her last name is Brazil, spelled with an S, but she's from Brazil, spelled with a Z. 30 years old, 5'6 with a 65 and a half inch reach. Interesting that we've seen Loma, Luma, whatever, fight now a few times. We know her a little bit more than Bruna, but Bruna's actually older, 30 years old. Kind of got herself a little bit of a late start into her mixed martial arts career. Okay, the line here. The line has Loma at minus two sixty-five currently and growing. And brazil at plus 215. i could talk about this fight for so long because i've watched bruna brazil fight now for a while i've watched her fight even before she jumped into the ufc so i kind of have a real good mix of of her background the, the the good and the bad of it you know what i mean um regardless this fight probably goes longer um our prediction here is going to have luma Lukbume winning by decision for brazil she exploded onto the scene for the ufc with a highlight knockout on contender series two seasons ago not last one the one before it was a head kick it was amazing you know highlight worthy and not necessarily fluky but in hindsight looks like damn that hype maybe not had been warranted and that hype came to a crashing halt when she was finished in her first UFC fight now she ran into Denise Gomes and Denise Gomes is pretty good we're seeing that now but still it was like Brazil was looking so good all of a sudden boom that stopped now her last fight, she rebounds, Bruno Brazil, that is, with a win over Shauna Bannon by decision. Now, I could go on and on about Shauna Bannon. I I I'm not surprised she's in the UFC, but I was planning to fade her the minute she stepped into the UFC. And that 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 theory ended up you know working out. Now it depends on who they give Shauna Bannon next, but if they give Sean Bannon anybody reasonable, fade her again. Not UFC material. Now, historically, Brazil comes up short whenever she faces quality competition or girls you might recognize, names that have been around. For example, she's lost to Jessica Delboni, okay? Not a big-time name, but in the UFC. She lost to Ariana Cardinalasi. Again, not a big-time name, but I think still in the UFC, had a run in the UFC, and then obviously she lost to Denise Gomes, her last fight. These are all, like, fighters we've heard of, we know of a little bit. Not big-time names. Whenever Brazil fights those type of fighters, she tends to have a problem. I could make a very good argument that Loma Lugbume is better than about Dalboni, Carnalassi, and Denise Gomes. So this is a step up in competition for me, in, in my opinion, of what Bruno Brazil is doing. For Loma Bume averages more strikes per minute and lands more takedowns per fight than Brazil. So on paper, she's better. Her activity alone should put her ahead of the scorecards. Activity meaning working from range, kicking punching she's like a butterfly a lot of lot of foot movement she will go for takedowns. she's very active she's not a fighter who's gonna sit there and just do nothing so loma's gonna make bruno brazil work and put a put a pace on her right if we have one critique for loma Lukbume, and at 115 pounds i guess it's not fair it's her lack of finishes in 11 total fights she only has two finishes now if you look at her last fight she got a submission i believe right but that's like her first finish in like i don't know 10 years or something like that so she's not a high rate finisher and Bruno Brazil who's been knocked out by Gomes I don't know that she's chinny or fragile if you look back on Bruno Brazil's record she had a torn ACL in a fight that was a hard fight to watch she was in a normal position against the cage and all of a sudden it just she crumbles to the ground screaming in pain she's been through a few things Brazil and tearing an ACL in that way in a fight kind of a random thing but it makes me wonder, like, you know, getting knocked out by Gomes, it, it does Does she have durability issues? I don't know. The only way Luma Lukbume loses this fight is if two judges, like, steal it from her and give it to Brazil. I don't see how Brazil is going to, like, flip around things statistically and now land more strikes than Loma. Loma lands more strikes, gets more takedowns. That's in the numbers. It's in the stats. Can't ignore that. She's fought better competition, you know, so on and so forth. So Loma, to me, is the right side, but damn it. Once we're to the scorecards and uh, takes one or two judges to just see this shit differently. Next thing you know, we're getting Bruno Brazil's hand raised as a plus 215 underdog. There are people who will say you should bet the dog here. Female mixed martial arts. Look what happened last week with Lana Carolina. Just bet the dog outright. Yeah, well, look what happened with Molly McCann. You know, betting a dog blindly on female fights. That's not a strategy. That's just a, I think, a lazy way of betting on mixed martial arts, to be honest with you. Some people will say, well, women's MMA. But blah, women's blah, blah. I like women's MMA. I no problem with it, man. It's another fight to bet on. Bring it to me. Betting spots here over two and a half rounds. The fight goes the full distance. Luke Bume by decision, Luke Bume by split decision, and Brazil by split. So, yeah, we are split happy here on this fight card to start it off. But this is a fight that's probably going the full distance. It's a female fight. And statistically, these female fights have a high probability of going to a split when they go to decision. So, again, Loma look Bume by decision is our pick let's move on back to the boys a lightweight battle 155 pounders balaji oki the zulu warrior against demir hadzovic the bosnian bomber hadzovic is 14 and seven overall two and three in his last five based out of denmark 37 years old five foot nine with a 70 inch reach as for the zulu warrior eight and one overall five and zero in his last five on a winning streak from belgium 28 years old ten with a 73-inch reach, so slight height and reach advantage there for Balaji Oki. Age-wise, Oki is younger by almost 10 years. Okay, after the odds here, we've got Balaji Oki at minus 298 and growing. Demir Hadsevich at plus 245. I saw Oki listed at minus 200 less than four or five days ago, so money's coming in on him. Once you dip your toes into looking at this fight or hearing a breakdown of the fight, it's pretty easy to slide over to Oki's side. And everyone's gonna tell you Oki's gonna win. I'm gonna tell you the same thing. I like Oki by decision, but but we got to be careful here with veterans. Tamir Hadzevich has been around a little bit longer, literally. And so with Oki, he's still unproven. And even though he's won some fights recently that are exciting, the competition was eh. And so we got to tread here with, with caution. At minus 298, definitely a parlay piece, and I like Zulu Warrior to win by decision. Look, we usually fade debutantes, so that's like a, a, a common theme for us. If you're a brand-new fighter of the UFC, coming off a contender series, whatever else, but in this case here, I believe that the Zulu Warrior checks all the boxes, and Hatsovich is struggling. Oki opened up around a minus whatever, 195, minus 200 odds favorite. Now he's almost 3-1 to one odds. I agree. The market sees what's going on. Casual better see what's going on. When this, fight, when this fight eventually kicks off, I believe Okie will close like a minus 350 favorite. That much growth will come in because he's the guy I think is going to win the fight. And once people look at this fight, they're going to realize that. After losing his first pro fight, Okie that is, he then ripped off eight straight wins. Like the old phrase, it's not how you start, how you finish. Six of his eight wins were inside the distance. The most impressive trait about Okie is his explosiveness. The athletic The jeans, man, he's ripped, he's built, he looks like an athlete, and he's much more athletic and quicker than Hadsovich. His speed and power alone, I think, will separate him from Hatsovich pretty early in the fight. Now, Hadsovich is 4-4 over his last eight fights. He's almost 10 years older than Oki and starting to show all the traditional signs of an aging fighter. He lands less strikes per minute and attempts less takedowns than Oki. Just about every striking statistic favors Oki. So for me here, barring some kind of unforeseen circumstance, this is Oki's fight to lose. The betting spots here. The fight starts round number two, over 1.5 rounds, and Oki as a parlay piece. The prop lock here for this fight, Oki just to win. <laughs> okay, that's that's the lock. So just Oki, he might finish him, he might not. Just take Oki at minus 298, minus 300, whatever, put that into your parlay, and good luck with you. Okay, let's move on. All right, up to the last fight on the prelim card a welterweight clash, 170 pounders. Carlos Protest, the nightmare, versus Trevin Giles, the problem. Trevin Giles, 16 and 5 overall, 2 and 3 in his last five, from Houston, Texas, 31 years old, 6 foot in high with a 74 inch reach. As for Carlos Protest, 17 and 6 overall, 5 and 0 in his last five, hails from Sao Paulo, Brazil, 30 years old, 6 foot 1 in high with a 78 inch reach, height and reach. Advantage goes to Protest. The height's not much of a factor, but a four-inch reach advantage is kind of nice there for Protest over Trevin Giles. Trevin Giles is a guy that I, you know, I like I like him as a person, like retired police officer, might go back to law enforcement at some point. Nice guy, man. So I, I don't like picking against him, but unfortunately, he has been on the proverbial slide, man. He has been struggling. I'm gonna go with him here, though. I'm gonna go with Trevin Giles to pick up the decision win. Probably not the most popular pick of the week for most people. He's plus 210 odds. You got Carlos Protest minus 258. That's also disrespectful. I get that Trevin Giles has been on a slide. I get it. He been fighting some pretty good people. We'll talk about that in a second. So Giles, critical point in his career. Another bad loss could result in his release from the promotion. He's two or three in his last five, which included three losses into the distance. Look, those were guys like Duplessis. Um, good competition. So yes he's been getting finished and yes he's had a few losses recently but the caliber of competition was very high he offers a balanced skill set with decent wrestling and reasonable punching power unfortunately he gets very sloppy he utilizes that hands down um stephen thompson kind of fighting karate style a little bit and he gets knocked out man he just gets hit in the face his hands are low it's it's not good he's a good overall fighter like he's very average i believe He's kind of middling. He just doesn't do anything to separate himself. He's an amazing grappler. He's a good wrestler. Doesn't punch with a ton of power. Has sloppy technique. And I can't tell you he could take a punch anymore, right? He's getting finished. So it's just he's captain average, but he has more experience. Okay. For practice, fresh off contender series. So there we go. We're kind of like, you know, those contender series guys from last season. I'm very, very skeptical. He began his career seven and six overall. That's how he started his career. First, like 13 fights. Then won his last nine in a row. So, you know, had some bumps in a row, kind of right at the ship. Now he's on a winning streak. He's got a martial arts foundation in Muay Thai and kickboxing. That was his actual initial form of martial arts. And though his roots are in kickboxing and Muay Thai and stand-up, his ground game, surprisingly, is pretty good. Pretty good. He'll have a speed advantage here over Giles. His striking seem to be more technically sound as well. At the very least, protest is more of a disciplined striker, gets his hands back up, a better technical fighter, right, in terms of boxing. On the other hand, with Giles, chins wide open, hands are down. I don't know, man. I, I like the guy. I like the guy. I'm going with Giles to pick up a win here. He needs the win, probably by decision. The betting spots for me I like this. I like the most here the fight starts round number two, and then maybe Protest is a possible parlay piece. I know I'm flipping over here to practice but if you're going to parlay this fight i'm not going to parlay. got giles at plus 210 i think he maybe could pull it off maybe entertain a money line bet with him but process as a parlay piece is a spot i would consider he's got the momentum here you know he's got a lot going for him and giles does not the fight just starting round number two a good prop block there so i'm i'm torn here i'm over the place with this fight but trevin the problem giles by decision is the official pick with no confidence at all let's move on and here we are Up to the main card first fight middleweight clash 185 pounders armand petrosian who goes by superman up against rodolfo vieira the black belt hunter this guy is a like three-time quadruple black belt in the jiu-jitsu very big in that world and one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners probably in all of mixed martial arts that's for sure but now he's a mixed martial arts fighter and so striking's not the best uh getting better cardio has been a little bit issue for him but he's making improvements and again on the mat dude is super dangerous right okay rodolfo vieira the black belt hunter nine and two overall three 2 to his last five hailing from rio de janeiro brazil 34 years old six foot high with a 73 inch reach as for armand petrosian eight and two overall so these guys are very similar in experience 4 and one his last five from armenia 33 years old similar in age six foot three with a 71 inch reach Height goes to Armand Petrosian by 2-3 inches and reach 2-3 inches goes for Vieira. I don't believe that's a big factor. If I recall, Vieira tends to be the guy who's either the same height or shorter than most of his opponents, and Armand Petrosian, you know, very much in that range as well. Okay. The line here has Vieira at minus 120 and Petrosian at plus 100. That makes sense to me, but in my opinion, I'd have Petrosian at minus 150, minus 175. That's my opinion. obviously wrong because the market here has what the market has but for for me petrosian at plus 100 or plus 105 minus 105 minus 110 wherever it goes from here sign me up this guy's a really good fighter and a guy who caught my eye three four fights ago i'll talk more about that in a second but i do like armand petrosian here to win by a round three knockout maybe even a round two knockout for vieira former grappler we talked about before turned mma fighter his jiu-jitsu is world-class he requires success on the ground on the mat specifically submissions to win his fights his cardio is suspect and his striking is non-existent look at the fight when he fought fluffy hernandez i'll never forget it the dude literally hits a wall a cardio wall an invisible wall just stops him he can't breathe he just runs out of energy his striking getting better, but when you've spent so much of your career just only doing one thing, and now you're picking up the gloves and working on the boxing bag, it just shows in his fights. Either Vieira gets an early submission here, round number one, or he melts in rounds two and three. For Petrosian, a well-rounded fighter, kickboxing background, good durability, you can make an argument that he's already beaten guys that are better than Vieira. Specifically for me, he beat, for example, RoboCop Rodriguez, and then Leroy Duncan, who Leroy Duncan was like undefeated, like 8 0, 9 0, when he lost to Petrosian. So, again, I think Petrosian's actually beaten guys better than Vieira already. Now, one thing's for sure Petrosian's endurance is far and away much better than Vieira. If this thing gets beyond the first four or five minutes, Petrosian's going to have his cake and eat it too. He's going to exhaust Vieira. Petrosian also has decent wrestling, enough, I believe, to defend Vieira's takedowns and submission attempts. Under two and a half rounds, I like that spot a lot. The fight does knock the distance. And Petrosian on the money line at plus 100. Dare I say, I'll put Petrosian into maybe a parlay? Like put him and Hyder Emil in a parlay. That's plus 100 m- minus 185. A good two legger gives you some plus money in return. But uh, I like Petrosian a lot here. He's maybe one of the guys on the card that I feel if I had to pick a money line bet with good return, my favorite one, it's Armand Petrosian at plus 100 right now. I love it. It's a steal. And uh, I hope I'm not wrong here. I'm high on this guy, but I just think he is far and away the better mixed martial artist. Whereas, for example, Rodolfo Vieira is the much better jiu-jitsu practitioner. This fight starts on the feet, though, and Petrosian knows the deal. He's a pretty high fighter IQ guy and, again, fought some better fighters, I believe, and he's won those fights. So give me Petrosian to win the fight by a round two, if not a round three knockout over an exhausted Rodolfo Vieira. Next up on the main card, a lightweight battle. Darius Flowers goes by Beast Mode up against Michael Johnson, the menace michael johnson has been around for a minute let me first give him his flowers the guy's been around for a long time still chugging along ufc still keeps him around he wins fights every now and then he's a gatekeeper type of dude perfect fight for him good fight for darius flowers as well but yeah man michael johnson still chugging this guy is 37 years old has almost what 40 fights totals to be his 41st total fight been with the ufc forever we'll talk more about that in a minute michael johnson 21 and 19 overall two or three in his last five from boca raton florida 37 years old five ten with a 73 and a half inch reach turning out of Killcliffe fc very good jim as for darius flowers 12 6 and 1 overall 4 1 his last five from iowa 29 years old 5 foot 9 with a 71 inch reach now based out of chicago fight team and elite boxing academy So height and reach, they're similar. I don't know that Darius Flowers is actually 5'9". I think he's going to be a little bit shorter than that and maybe two to maybe even three inches shorter than Michael Johnson. Reach-wise, Johnson is the longer fighter. That makes sense. He's just a longer frame. Darius Flowers is not super stocky, but he's just a little bit more compact. And by the way, shout out to Darius Flowers. We did an interview with him twice before. Very cool dude. Um, Gave us his time. Has a story to tell and a guy that, you know, we're always rooting for, you know, just in terms of, you know, from a personal standpoint. Johnson's the favorite here at minus 125. You got Flowers at plus 105. Our prediction is Michael the Menace Johnson to win by a round two knockout, and it pains me to choose against Darius Flowers, a guy who people have chosen against him in the past, and after he's won, he's gone on social media and let people know, like, this: you chose against me, don't doubt me, you know, kind of like Charles Johnson did this past, you know, a few days from last weekend. But I, I got to go with what I'm – Based upon my analysis, it's not personal, right? I do like Darius Flowers. I hope he does pull off the win, but the fact is Johnson is is a veteran and he's still a guy who can give you know some problems. Johnson, this guy's been around for what? Two thousand eight is when his career began. So like, I mean, it's been a minute. He joined the UFC two thousand ten, so he's been with the UFC for fourteen years. And during that time, the guy has fought some of the best. I mean. Same time, he kind of loses always when he fights better guys. Um, like he fought guys like Justin Gaethje, lost. Khabib Muhammadov, L. Guida, L. Emmett, L. Nate Diaz, L. Darius, L. So he fought all those guys, and they're all very good guys, people that we know of. But he lost all those fights. At almost 38 years old, Johnson's best days athletically are probably behind him. But he's still formidable. He'll still pick up a few wins every now and then. He's got decent striking. Lets his hands go. Always comes in shape. Doesn't miss weight. Professional. As for Flowers, he lost his UFC debut last summer by submission to Jake Matthews. Afterwards, he kind of explained it as a a mishap overall. He had a rough camp, had some issues, wasn't in the best shape. So, could be some truth there. It could be all bullshit. Uh, of course, you know I, I'm I'm not here to tell you. I know that it's true for sure. But I've talked to the guy, and he seems like a sensible person. So maybe it was a rough situation for him. Bad outing it happens. Now, if he's not in his A game, though, against Johnson, if he comes out here this weekend and has other issues or his cardio's is up to speed, he's going to be in danger of coming up short again, specifically the scorecards, where Johnson knows how to win fights on the scorecards. And with a guy like Flowers, still very much, you know, a rookie, still wet behind the ears. The veteran experience of Johnson alone, to me, probably is enough to win this fight. Now, notably this, Flowers rarely gets out of the first round. We have concerns about his endurance. Now, if Flowers is up to speed on the bike doing road work, comes out here waiting for three rounds, Gucci. He gasses out after round number one. Johnson will be there for two, round, two more rounds. He's got cardio. He's done this before. He'll chip away and win a boring decision if he doesn't even possibly melt Flowers because Flowers is just too tired to return fire. And that's kind of how I see this thing going down. The betting spots here, the fight does not go the distance. And Johnson, the money line at minus 125 is a straight bet. The prop lock for us here is the fight does not go the distance. And again, that's more not because Johnson's got high finish rate. It's more because Darius Flowers, his fights, either he wins that fight early on or he gets finished early on himself. So again, expect some violence. Expect this fight to end at some point in round number two. We got Michael Johnson doing the finishing. Let's move on. Moving up the main card, we've got Gregory RoboCop Rodriguez up against Brad Tavares. A middleweight bout, 185 pounders. Mr. Rodriguez is 14 and 5 overall, 3 and 2 in his last 5. From Brazil, now based out of Deerfield Beach, Florida, 31 years old in 11 months, 3 weeks and 3 days, so he's about to be 32. 6'3 and high with a 75-inch reach. As for Mr. Tavares, 20 and 8 overall, 3 and 2 in his last 5. From Las Vegas. 36 years old six foot one in height with a 74 inch reach based out of extreme couture one of the hottest mixed martial arts gyms in the planet right all right the line here currently has brad tavares at plus 200 robocop at minus 245 and i do agree was surprised when the line was like minus i don't know 200 a few days ago i'm like why is robocop not more more money not coming in on him because he to me is the guy's gonna win the fight But money is coming in. It makes sense. And I imagine when fight day comes around, Rodriguez will probably be around a minus 275 to minus 280 favorite when it all said and done. Our prediction here is Gregory Robocop Rodriguez by round two knockout. Tavares is in the midst of a tough patch of his career. He's three and five over his last seven fights and has one finish in his past 13 years. (laughs) All right, so one finish in 13 years, no finishing ability. Three and four in his last seven, under 500. He lacks punching power. It's well documented. If Tavares can't punch Rodriguez hard enough to back that guy off of him and get his respect, then that means Rodriguez will just walk him down and punish him. That, to me, seems like it makes so much. Now, could Tavares catch Rodriguez with the luckiest punch in the world and, you know, fold him up? Yeah, but, like, let's be honest with ourselves here. A guy who's one finish in 13 years probably doesn't have much punching power Rodriguez knows this. He's going to go after his ass, right? Rodriguez has a propensity for violence. His fights often end inside the distance, and he doesn't mind taking some damage in the process, maybe too much damage. His last three wins were knockouts within the first two rounds. The only concern we have with Mr. Rodriguez is that he is starting to take more and more damage as his career goes along. He's been knocked out in three of his five losses. At only 31 years old, he's still young enough to recover and come back, but at some point, I would ex- expect his, by his mid-30s here at Robocop, he's going to start becoming a boomer bus guy, where either he will win fights by a knockout or submission, or he'll get knocked out trying. The betting spots left for this fight are the fight going under two and a half rounds, the fight does not go the full distance, and Rodriguez by a knockout. The prop lock here, the fight does not go the full distance. So again, respect to Tavares, been around for a long time, been in the UFC for like, almost 10 years, right? But a lot of very good guys. But man, if you can't get the respect of a guy like Robocop with your own punching power to back him off, he's going to swallow this guy up. And so I expect Rodriguez to punish him. And at some point, in round, either round one, maybe even round one or two, he's going to go for it. And I think Tavares just won't have enough to back him off. I can even see Tavares falling to a knee, balling up and just not getting too hurt, but just like, I got nothing to give back to this guy. Get me out of here, ref. You know. So again, Robocop, Rodriguez by round number two, knockout is our prediction. Next up, we have a middleweight bout. 185 pounders, Robert Brizek versus Ihor Petoria. Petoria goes by the duelist. We have no moniker here, though, for Robert Brizek. Brizek is 17 and 5 overall, 5 and 0 in his last five. Hails from Poland, 33 years old. 6 foot in height, no reach on him. As for Ihor Petoria, 20 and 5 overall, 2 and 3 in his last five. From Kiev, Ukraine, 27 years old. 6 foot 3 in height with a 75 inch reach. He's out of Lagat. Okay. And this guy, Ehor, whenever he fights, uh, yeah, don't get up. It's going to be over fast. <laughs> That's how Ehor's fights go. And, and he's a guy who, kind of like Rodriguez, if he's not careful, doesn't reel it in soon, his career might be a lot shorter than it should be. So Ehor is the plus 164 underdog. You've got Robert Bridget at minus 198. Our prediction is Robert Bridget will knock out Ehor in round number two. If that doesn't happen, then Ihor will knock him out within the first two rounds, right? The fight ends by knockout. It's probably a prop to consider playing. This match has all the makings to be fight the night. Pretoria fights like a madman, reckless abandoned, and brizek who's making his UFC debut, will come out there full of energy, pretty nervous, wants to make a good showing. I think that combination, those ingredients, will land with the crowd, and uh, this fight will be one of the, fi- the favorites of the, of the night. All right, for Pretoria, classic case of an amazing regional fighter that hits a brick wall when they come into the ufc for example from 2017 to 2021 it's a good five-year stretch right four or five years he won 15 straight fights and almost all of them were by knockout then he joins the UFC two years ago 2022 since then he's one in three <laughs> it's it's a classic case it, it happens a lot it doesn't mean he's a bad fighter it just means that regional scene It ain't the same as UFC. So, in essence, with this guy, Petoria, the jury is still out. There's a chance that he may not be good enough to be in the UFC at all. There's also a chance that he's just been reckless recently, needs to shore things up, and, you know, he'll be better. One thing I can say without question, though, he takes a lot of damage. The fight against, I forgot that guy's name. Uh, uh, the American, not—I forgot the guy's name—but there was a fight, Patoria File, where he took hella knees to the face. I mean, mouthpiece had fallen out. He was still taking knees to the face. Didn't go down. Was called out on the feet. He's a guy who doesn't know, like for his own good, like when it's time to say enough. He's kind of guy who wouldn't tap out, right? He needs to pace himself, pay more attention to striking defense. Otherwise it's going to be a bad ending for him again. His, he's exposed, his chin's out there, chin's up high. He fights against a video game. You know, No respect for the potential, what may happen, what, what's coming back at him, right? For my man Robert Brezek, striking looks cleaner on film. He's a little bit more technical. Hands come back up to guard. Jabs begin his combinations. And over time, he tends to let his hands go more and more. I could see how he could pick apart Pretoria over the course of rounds two and three if he got to that point. The only question mark we have about this guy, Brzezic, is like skill level. He's been fighting for Octagon MMA. It's a good promotion. Don't get me wrong. It's similar to like a Cage Wars or LFA, that kind of thing. But UFC is different. And we just raised questions about EO Pretoria. Is he UFC material, whatever? Like he's been fighting UFC guys at least. Not getting beat, yes, but he's got to win in the UFC over Shogun Hua. He's. He's hung with a few guys, right? We know that about Ehor. We also know he's a wild man. For Robert, that's the only question: like, will his skill set transfer over here? He's been fighting guys that're not as talented. Was slower at times, you know, lack fluidity. Ehor is very fluid. Ehor <laughs> is all over the place. At the very least, with Brzac though, he fights under more control. He seems to be more technically sound, more disciplined. Fights with a game plan as opposed to just reckless abandon. I think for Robert Brzezak, he will find it much easier to deal with Pretoria after the first round. Pretoria at full strength is a tornado of a person spinning everything. It's just all over the place, and he might catch you. One lucky strike lands, he walks out of there with his hand raised by knockout. So for Robert Brzezak, if he could you know, calm down round number one, just, just let this guy get it out of his system, rounds two and three will have a field day picking apart Pretoria who's already wide open to be hit. And once he starts throwing Pudges gets even more open, right? Under two and a half rounds, the fight is not going the full distance. The fight ends by knockout. And Brzezak has a parlay piece at minus 198. Ehor is from Ukraine, always giving love to my Ukrainian people out there who, you know, been in, in a conflict, not just for the last year, but it's been generations now of conflict between Ukraine and Russia. And my prayers go out to anyone who's being negatively impacted by that on both sides, because there are wonderful people on both sides of that conflict. And it's a shame that the innocent people kind of get caught in the way. So for Ihor Petoria, you know, shout out to him and his his people. I'm, I know he's got a, a, a rabid fan base back home who are probably rooting for him, hoping he does win. And so if he does get his hand raised this weekend, I'll be happy for him. But the numbers here suggest to me that he's a ticking time bomb and not the kind of guy you want to get behind because it's boob or bust with him. And I think uh, in this situation here, Robert brisnick might not, might not be uh, – <laughs> Might not make it very easy for him. He's a pretty good fighter. Uh, matter of fact, if you want to see film on Robert Brizek, we have film of him in the film library on our data sheet, the Excel sheet I was showing you guys earlier. That's free to access. The links are there. You can look him up and see kind of what he looks like to you guys. But yeah, he's he's formidable. He's, he's good enough uh, on film, that I think he's going to give a, a problem here for Pretoria. Again, Robert Brizek by round two knockout. The fight not beginning round number three is our prop lock. Let's move on. We're up to the co-main event of the evening. A featherweight fight, 145 pounders. Andre Touchy Feely up against Dan Fifty K Ege. Two guys with very good nicknames. I know people sometimes get weird about the Touchy Feely nickname, but it's it's perfect. Like Touchy, like I touch you with my punches. Like not Touchy, like that way. All right, so Dan Ege, 17 and seven, two and three in his last five. From Hawaii, 32 years old, five foot seven with a 71 inch reach. Trains out of the infamous Extreme Couture. As for Andre Feely, twenty-three and ten overall, two two and one in his last five, from California, thirty-three years old, five foot eleven height with a seventy-four inch reach, out of Team Alpha Male. So height and reach will be on the side of Andre Feely. Age-wise, about the same. A little more fight experience as well for Andre Feely. My man Dan Ige. He's a guy who, again, soft spot in my in my heart for him is just a, the fanboy in me. I like the guy. You know, I like his fighting style. He's humble. Philly, too. Philly's kind of guy, they're likable guys. They're not going to go up there and, and say some nonsense and, and say some controversial stuff just to sell a fight. They're, they're a man's man, you know, um, quality H2O, blue collar, however you want to put it. But uh, both guys I do like. I have Dan Ige winning this fight by decision. For Ige, three and five in his last eight fights. He dropped his last fight by decision to Bryce Mitchell. Happens. Prior to that fight, he had back to back wins over Nate Landwehr and Damon Jackson, both quality fighters. I think both those fights were by decision. Ige is known for his granite chin and smooth striking. Very good jab, technical striking. In 33 total fights, he's never been knocked out. Again, 33 total fights, never been knocked out. If this fight plays out at boxing range, I think he has multiple advantages over Andre Feely. As for Feely, he's been a 500 level fighter since joining the UFC. His UFC record is 10 and 9. He hasn't won more than two fights in a row in over 10 years. The most impressive wins of his career are both by split decision over Bill Algio and Charles Jourdain. Those are the two biggest names he's defeated. Anytime he takes a step up in competition, it doesn't go well for him. Joe Anderson Brito finished him in 41 seconds. Yair Rodriguez knocked him out. Max Holloway choked him out. So, I mean, not to, not, I'm not trying to make fun here of touchy-feely. He's a good fighter. But there's a reason why he's 10-9 on the ufc a reason why he loses to those guys and a reason why he has barely beaten guys like charles jordan and bilaljo neither of them have high finish rates so this to me definitely goes longer goes the distance every which way to me you look at it Ige is the better fighter he's the more technical striker more volume better pace Ige by decision to me seems like a foregone conclusion the fight starts round number two over 1.5 rounds and Ige at minus 175 as a potential parlay piece in a two-leg parlay, a short parlay. So again, Dan, 50K, Ige by decision is our prediction. Let's move on. And here we are. We are up to the main event of the evening. Middleweight bout, 185-pounders, Joe Pfeiffer up against Jack Hermanson. Joe goes by Body Bags, Joe Body Bags Pfeiffer, good nickname. Jack Hermanson goes by the Joker, another quality nickname. I like good nicknames because some of these nicknames recently we've been coming across not so creative. They could do better. Okay. As for Jack Hermanton, the veteran, 23 and eight overall, two and three in his last five. From Sweden, now based out of Norway, 35 years old, six foot one in height with a 77 and a half inch reach. As for Joe Pfeiffer, 12 and two overall, five and zero in his last five. From Pennsylvania, 27 years old, six foot two in height with a 75 inch reach. And height and reach wise, you know, it's similar 6'2", 75, 77. Experience-wise, that's the one thing that pops out to you right away. Jack Hermanson does have a lot more experience. And Joe Pfeiffer, he's a guy who is rising up the charts, right? Popularity, whatever else. We'll talk about that more in a second. Our prediction is Joe bodybags Pfeiffer to win this five-round fight by decision. Pfeiffer's the minus 245 favorite. You got Jack Hermanson at plus 200. If you like Jack Hermanson, plus or her a pretty nice return, right? Hermanson's returning from a year layoff. I mean, just about a year. I think it was exactly a year and like a month or two, right? He got finished by Roman Delica, the same Delica who just fought last week, and it didn't look that great. That Delica finished Jack Hermanson in his last fight. Now, prior to the Delica loss, he went to several close decisions against Chris Curtis, Sean Strickland, and Marvin Vittori, quality fighters. So we do know Jack Hermanson has fought good competition, can hang with the top guys. Hermanson's good enough to face those guys and actually go the full distance He just doesn't have the the skills to actually beat those guys. You know what I mean? At 35 years old and fighting only once a year, I think his mixed martial arts days are numbered. Like I feel feel like we're entering that last few fights, that last contract for Jack Hermanson. This might be the last time we also see him in a main event. right? For Pfeiffer, an exciting new addition to the UFC roster. He made his UFC debut two years ago with a round one finish over Alan Amadovsky. He followed that up with finishes over... Abdul Razak Al-Hassan and Gerald Mearshat. Piper has his eye, Piper has the eye of the UFC brass, and his fan base is exploding. Now let's go back to some things you may have heard about or not have heard about here with Pfeiffer. The story goes like this. Dana White helped him out when he was like down in his luck financially. I guess as he's breaking into the UFC or right before that. And Dana White helps him to actually buy a home now i'm not sure what that means does that mean he gave him the down payment does that mean he gave him a a small loan does that mean he gave him ten thousand dollars does that mean he bought i don't know the extent of what dana did but dana did help him out he went into his own pocket and helped the kid out which is a which is an awesome thing i don't want to make this like oh dana white is you know but it's a nice thing that he did that okay so no matter how you look at it dana went into his own pot personally helped the kid out okay if the president of the ufc is doing that for a fighter and has talked highly of Joe Pfeiffer and Joe Piper has obviously talked highly of Dana White. The boss is doing that for a guy. Do you not think that Dana White would also carry some influence over the matchmaking for Joe Pfeiffer? No, like I, I think that's a, that's a foregone you know thought, right? That he's going to go to the matchmaker data. That is, and say, listen, let's line this guy up with some good stuff. Let's let's build him up. Matter of fact, He's only fought like two, three fights in the UFC. Let's give him a main event. And look, I am not hating on Joe Piper. Like the guy's story. He's from PA. Was down in his luck. He's very transparent, interviews, smart, intelligent, values what he's getting right now. I mean, the sky's the limit, this guy. He's got the right mindset. But he's only fought a few fights in the UFC. Now he's main carding against a guy who I believe he's. it's a very winnable fight. And so, yeah, it's kind of like Patty Pimlet. You know, Patty Pimlet had Dana White on his podcast days before one of his fights you know it's like i get it dana's you know he's a a man around town but and when the president again is helping somebody directly financially help them buy a home follow clues right betting spots here over 1.5 rounds the fight begins round number three pfeiffer by split and Hermanson by split why am i putting splits here in this main event five round fight jack's very durable these five round fights are weird man (sighs) the five round fights it's it the more rounds we get the judges the more likely they are going to they're going to they're gonna come back with some different stuff. So if it goes the full distance, I think Piper does win. We've seen this though. We've seen these main events go to split decisions recently and and some fights that probably even shouldn't have been a split. You know, so give me some flip props. They're probably going to be very high like plus 1500 plus maybe plus 1700. That range I believe some good payouts, but again, Piper by decision is the pick. Alright boys and girls. So there's your preview and predictions for UFC Vegas 86. Just a quick recap of our winners that we're predicting. We like Joe Pfeiffer, Dan Ige, Robert Brzeck, Gregory Rodriguez, Michael Johnson, Armand Petrosian. That Trevin Giles fight is tough. I, I'm I'm flipping back and forth. I think I'm going to go with Carlos Protest. I'm going to flip my pick right here. Yep. Carlos Protest, Balaji Oki, Loma bume Devin Clark, Max Griffin, Bogdan Guskov, Haider Emil, and Arichi Lang. So, again, just to recap on that, our picks to win are Arichi Lang, Haider Emil, Bogdan Guskov, Max Griffin, Devin Clark, Loma bume Balaji Oki. We're going to change our pick in that last fight in the prelim card to Carlos Protest to defeat Trevin Giles, Armand Petrosian, Michael Johnson. Greg Rodriguez, Pato- I'm sorry, Robert Brzec to beat Ehor Pretoria, Dan Ige, and Joe Pfeiffer. Some reminders, guys, please check out our newsletter. It's awesome. There's a free version and a paid version. We've got full breakdowns, previews, and uh, just good information for you guys, links to some of our tools, our data sheets, so on and so forth. Our newsletters run through Substack. The link is down below. If you're hearing this and not seeing this video, the link is MMAFightClub.com. SubStack.com. Download the SubStack app to your phone. Get our newsletter uh, articles right to your phone. Check it out. No spam. We send out one or two newsletters per week, and uh, it's all covering or previewing upcoming Mixed Martial Arts events, so please check that out. We're back at it on Wednesday this week with our weekly show called Butterfly Guard with Haley, so check us out Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday for Butterfly Guard with Haley, and then this Friday at 6 o'clock p.m for the latest episode of MA Happy Hour with myself and Monique Yip. Thank you for stopping by. Please like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. It helps us out quite a bit. And um, hope you guys like the video. Good luck this weekend, and we'll see you guys soon. Deuces.